Welcome to the show, Paul George, Adam Conk in studio. Welcome to the Art of Living. Adam, how's it going? So good, Paul. So good. How are you? I'm great, man. I'm great. It's great to be with you. Oh, it's so good to be with you. So what's exciting for you in the new year? You know, so we're, we're in the January, and what's what's like super, you know, exciting for you? Yeah, number one, uh, new baby. So we just had a baby last month, and by the end of this year, that baby's going to be one year old, <laughs> and the journey that that's going to be is, yeah. uh, is something. Number two, you know, God willing, I'm finishing diaconal formation this year, so... Um, my last two semesters, I'm in the second to last one right now, and the last one's in the fall. So that's nuts. By the end of this year, the only thing left to do will be to be ordained. Wow, that's crazy. I didn't yeah. even think about that. You're yeah. gonna be like the youngest deacon in the diocese. I am, and maybe the world. Now, you don't look the youngest, and I'm not saying you look old, but you kind of have this very mature look about you. You know, you got the beard, there's a little gray going in there. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, well, that's what the seven kids does. Yeah. It gr- the the whole infant up. thing, man, like infants kind of make me nervous because they're still breakable. You know, they get oh, sick, yeah? little colds or, you know, you don't sleep much. You know, there's all these little things that can happen and you got to get through it. So you've had some sleepless nights. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But they're beautiful. Nights. And so have I. What about you? What are you excited about? Man, I, I'm excited. Uh, you know, I was writing out my, you know, my goals for the year and, uh, you know, things that, uh, you know, I'm praying on and, you know, hopeful about, you know, um, you know, but one of the things for me, like when I come around every year, like one of the things that I want to do well, get better at, um, is, is getting better at my state of life, you know, so not thinking about my life outside of my state, right? So what I'm saying is like, you know, if I could have only done this in my life, you know, my state of life is I'm a married man forever. Like that doesn't change. And so every year it comes around is how can I get better at being a husband, father, a married man, you know, because that's where I'm going to find the most freedom and joy in my life is in my vocation. Right. And uh, so one of the things I'm excited about is, you know, I'm going to do that and have some goals and some things that I want to do. But Gretchen and I are are doing this married conference, um, you know, in March and I'm excited to help other people achieve that same goal. Like the same goal I'm trying to achieve is like bringing people along in that, like walking with people because we're just doing the same thing. We're no better. We're not. We're just with people in it. And so the married conference, March 23rd, 2019. I'm excited about it. It's yeah. One of the things I'm excited I'm about. I'm excited about it. So yeah, it's so cool. I mean, I mean, God has blessed you and Gretchen so much, right? Like. Now, part of that is because you said yes to him in a lot of ways, but most of it is nothing to do with you. He just wanted to love you, and he blessed you with a great life. And so it is a blessing to be around you guys and to watch you interact, and that's what's cool about it. I mean, Paul, you could show up and do a married conference by yourself, but to have you and Gretchen putting it on, um, I'm excited about that because to watch you all talk to each other, interact with each other, tell stories about your marriage— um, say, look, this is how we grew in this time. This is how we dealt with this situation. And there's just so many struggling marriages out there, but there's also just people that are asking the same question you just asked. How do I be better? You be know, better. like, I love my marriage. I love my life. But how do I take it to another level? How do I follow Jesus more closely? So I'm excited about it. Yeah. People can find out the information. Discover the Click on the Mary button. 
come to the conference or invite married to your area. But anyway, you know, the tagline... what did you just say? Invite married to your area. So you can do these conferences again? Yeah, and it's a one-day, so couples don't have an excuse like, hey, we can't get away for a weekend. Um, but the tagline for it is, it's, we say it's real, messy, beautiful. And, and that's what marriage is. It's like, this is our real life. This is where we're at. And marriage, no matter, unless people are lying, mess, uh, marriage is messy. Like, it's mm-hmm. not easy. Like, you know, no one's perfect at it. Let's just all be honest there. But marriage is beautiful. It's where we find the most joy is in our state and our vocation. And, and when we work on something, uh, we can get better at it. You know, it doesn't come natural. To anybody. To anyone. And so it is... Uh, it's messy, beautiful. You know, it, so wait, you're say. telling me that, let's say I'm listening right now in like Seattle. <laughs> okay. Seattle, Washington. Mm-hmm. Just so you know. Yeah. You're telling me that if I wanted, I could reach out to you and say, hey, I want to have this married conference in Seattle for my peeps. And that would actually happen? Well, yeah. I mean, if the date worked That's out. That's a big deal. Not, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, get on it, people. All right, so that's what I'm excited about. But that is uh, exciting. Yeah, I wanted to do a Have You Seen because there's this controversy out there. So, what did you say? That is so interesting. Are you for real, though? I am for real. And uh, I don't know. I think you probably have seen this, uh, and people have. And if you have it, and I'm trying to figure out the controversy, but maybe we can talk about it. But it's, uh, you know, Gillette Razors came out with an ad. It's the Gillette ad. Um, and, you know, we all grew up with Gillette. The best a man can get was their mm-hmm. tagline. Anyway, they came up with this commercial that's out there, and there's controversy around it. And the commercial just kind of overview is, you know, uh, of men, and and the commercial kind of goes through like things, you know, that are dysfunctional about men. Basically, you know, w- whether it be like picking on each other, picking on each other, objectifying you know. women. Yep. Mm-hmm. What are some other things? Uh, um, a little abusive, yeah. uh, ig- ignoring other people, kind of being power, I guess you could say. Power, yeah. uh, so that kind of goes through this, and then it kind of goes through saying, you know, men are better than this, you know, yada, yada, yada. And, and in part, it's kind of inspiring, and, and, and then in part, there's controversy around it. Do you understand the controversy that's happening or what, what people are saying there, the negative? It seems uh, like those that are for the ad or for a better definition of what it means to be a man that doesn't include having to compete with everyone around you or mistreating people or objectifying women. And it seems like those who are against the ad, for good reasons, um, seems like they're saying that it's an ad trying to downplay traditional masculinity in favor of some like effeminate masculinity. So I've only seen it once and I didn't even pay that close attention to be honest with you. Yeah. I can kind of, I mean, I can kind of see both ends. I mean, and I'm not picking a side here because I don't know how to pick apart and I don't know the intentions of the ad, the people who created it. And I'd love to sit back and say, what were your intentions? I think probably their intentions were to call men to be better. And I think in our society, like we do see, um, a part of, uh, you know, men that, 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 uh, is very sinful right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Objectifying women, uh, abusive. Uh, we see it, you know, in business, we see power, we see all these things. And so I see the side of saying, you know, men are better than that. And yet I do see a side in our culture that's, uh, trying to emasculate men, trying to, to, to less, you know, the men being who they are, you know, 
But here's the answer. I think the answer to, to the ad or the answer to manhood is is ridding our lives of sin. Like, and when we follow Jesus, like Jesus was a very masculine man. Uh, Jesus uh, did the right things. Jesus didn't objectify women or look at pornography. And, you know, he, he you know, like he followed the Father's will. I, and that's a very masculine thing to do. And so I think the answer uh, that, that uh, the world is looking for are men who are willing to live a very sacrificial life of following Jesus and his virtues. That's, that's manhood. And that doesn't mean you don't have courage. That doesn't mean you're not bold in, in your business. That doesn't mean that, you know, um, you don't have these characteristics that are very masculine, you know, like one, one of the images in the, in the ad I thought were cool was like this guy stepped in and broke up a fight. Yeah. Like he put himself at risk to say, you know, you know, break up, you know, and I don't know if you've ever broken up a fight, but I've broken up a fight. When you break up a fight, you, you could get hit. Oh yeah. Right. Like, so you're stepping into like, you know, flying fist or whatever. Uh, so that's the type of manhood, honestly, that sacrificial manhood that, uh, kind of has those characteristics in them. And I do think it's important because the ad references the Me Too movement, mm. you know, like now we don't, there's no excuses now. I think there's truth to that, but the reality is the Me Too movement has been the Christian movement this whole time. And a lot of us were downplayed or laughed at when we would say, hey, this movie objectifies women. Oh, get over it. Or, hey, you know, it's probably not a good idea to have all this pornography around right. for everybody. Mm-hmm. But now everyone seems to be coming around to the fact that women have value and we need to respect them and not just use them all the time, right? And I think men need to be leaders in that statement. Yeah. You know? And the thing is, it's mostly men that has built a culture that objectifies women. It's mostly men that has built... Um, now, I'm not saying women have, are not to blame. I'm just saying a lot of the issues with our society against women are, per, are perpetuated by men who aren't real men. Yeah. So I think it is a, a great time for us to say, what is a real man? And, you know, a lot of times we'll boycott things for stupid reasons. Like we'll boycott, boycott the NFL because of X, Y, Z. Every one of us should boycott pornography. Uh, women that have... Which, a, by the way, like, and I want you to keep going, but the, one of my things is, why didn't they in the commercial highlight pornography? Mm-hmm. The, the, the objection of women, you know, in pornography, like they didn't do that. Like they weren't willing to, you know what I'm saying? Like there's mm-hmm. a lot of other things that they could have pointed out. You know, but you know, I don't know. There's a, there's a there's a side that, that's like, ah, oh, there's nothing wrong with that. Well, business and also weird psychology. I mean, there was think about this. There there's still psychologists out there, but there was a time where if you went to couples therapy, let's say, and you were struggling in your marriage at all, the solution was going to be to spice up your love life. Like that was the solution. Right. And what does that mean? Usually, viewing pornography together. And then doing some weird things, right? It's crazy. Just to fix your marriage. Right. Like, no matter what the problem was. Yeah, so you're objectifying each other, you know, to try to create authentic love, and that never happens. You no. Know? And I think, you know, the opposite of uh, just a leader is, like, someone who who leads with power um, and authority only, mm-hmm. uh, like, the... Like the negative side of that, which is, I think, the only side that's negative, is that what they do is the way that they feel better about themselves is to 
push people down, push their gifts down, push who they are down. So whether it's another man, uh, uh, another woman, uh, that they, they just squish their gifts, squish their personality, squish who they are, who God created them to be, so that they can feel like they're in power. And that's what we see a lot in our culture. Um, and because people are insecure, they want to feel better about themselves, so they make they, they you know they make fun or they make other people seem lower than them. And I think the reality is is that uh, men and women both have gifts, and we we complement one another mm-hmm. to make the world better. And yes, men need to uh, not objectify women, but but it's more than that. Like it's right. it's the ability to see dignity. And to make that woman the best that she can be by by promoting her gifts, her her, her strengths, uh, and and helping her be the best that she can be, like that's what we're called to do with our daughters and our wives, and it should be no different than any other person or woman that we interact with in the world. That's and you know most men would think, well, you know, that makes me less of a man. No, it actually makes you more of a man. Yeah, and that doesn't necessarily mean that we that there should be no difference between men and women in daily life. The opposite, you know, for example, what is a man and what is a woman? The very idea of it is that you're not the other. Right. right? Well, and like, that's the confusion in the culture, right? right. Like not, not for us and not, you know, uh, for Christian, but in the world it's like, yeah, there's no differences. Right. You know, you could call yourself whatever you want. No, no, there's, there are differences. Well, that's why downplaying the differences between men and women society led to the moment we're in now. Well, then there really is no difference between men and women. Like, there, you don't have to be either. You could be something else. Right. I think if we highlight the difference, which is what what is a man? A man is someone who cares for a woman. What is a woman? A woman is someone who cares for a man in their own way, their own gifts and talents. Now, do we always like, for example, is every woman going to be married to a man? No. But by nature, we're built for each other. That's what makes a man a man and a woman a woman. You're mm-hmm. ordered toward the other. The complementarity. To complement and serve and benefit the other. Right? right? Like, that's that's what it's all about. Yeah. Um, not every woman's going to be married. Not every man's going to be married. And But that is by nature who we are. And I think, yeah, this movement to have a third option, like a non-male or female human reality, is... Well, it's true, it, and, and people are trying to do that. And the sinful nature of both man and woman is to look at the other and make them less than who they are. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So so man looks at woman, and instead of woman complimenting, equaling, uh, bettering, they look at woman and say, you're less than, right? Mm. Or, or vice versa. I've seen yep. it vice versa. You know, women, you know, can objectify men and they can look at men and you're less than you're you're evil and sick and you see what I'm saying like so so that becomes this but what is that that's the sinful nature of of not seeing the beauty in each other and so therefore we turn against each other and and become at war with one another yeah instead of linking arms and saying you know we complement one another to make the world better to make each other better and that's why you see even in, like in in really good marriages that the the husband and the wife have found that unity and that complementarity and they're 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 not uh, intimidated by one another's um you know uh, unique uh u- uniqueness of man and woman yeah and that's a hard place to be in i think it takes humility but also just an awareness of god's love for me 
and the gift that my life is that I'm not going to be intimidated by someone else who also has gifts and God also loves that other person. Amen to that. And a lot of times in Christian marriages, we're intimidated by the very idea that my spouse has a life that's not even about me. You know, like my spouse has a relationship with God that like I'm a part of, but it's between them and I have to let it be and I have to encourage it. And it's not about me at all, you know, or um, my wife has, has gifts and talents that, in some ways, are going to be better than I am at a lot of things. And not only am I, am I going to be okay with that, Thank God. I need to promote that. Absolutely. And, and invite, and that's hard. You know, it has to come from a place where I'm not threatened by others and their gifts and their relationships. And um, I don't know, I guess we'll talk about that on another day, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on like, how do you get to a place in your life where you're okay with other people's talents? Yeah. You know, I pray really hard to that I could see other people through the lenses of God. Like, I just pray that prayer all the time, you know, so that I can be a promoter of people and their gifts. And am I always perfect at it? No, but I really want to get better at that. And we're going to kind of keep talking about this. And, you know, the leadership part two, which we had kind of talked about last week and on the show and on the podcast. And we're going to dive a little bit deeper on what are some of those, you know, real spiritual characteristics of really good leadership. So we'll be right back. It's Paul and Adam talking Art of Living. The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity HealthShare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the healthcare problem. Are you paying too much for your healthcare cost? Solidarity HealthShare is a healthcare sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund healthcare costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. Welcome back to the show. Paul and Adam here talking Art of Living. Great to be with you guys today. Thanks for listening in, whether you're on listening on air or on the podcast. How's it going, man? It's going. Paul, last week's show, I've, I've gotten a lot of feedback about. Really? What'd you get? Like, what was the feedback? Well, the show is on leadership, mm-hmm. and one was very simple. It was actually pretty good. <laughs> that was a, the, what they said, actually which, pretty right, good. Right, which might be implying that the other episodes were not that good, or... <laughs> I know we I know we have a lot of <laughs> listeners on, on, you know, and I could, I could see the, more of the analytics on the podcast, mm-hmm. how mm-hmm. many people are listening, and then what shows people listen to the most. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Now, now, the show on the air... We don't really know, right? But what I'll do is locally, like I'll run into people that, hey, I heard this show, I liked that show, um, and I actually got Brandon's people last week showing leadership. They're like, I really liked that. That was good, good stuff. Yeah. Well, I think Paul, you don't even realize the gold nugget you're sitting on with all of your like this me- chair, right? The work that God has called you to do over the past. Um, how long have you been at this game? 20 years? 20-something years. 20-something years, 30 years. Um, that all of that experience and insight, your your ability to form leaders and help us all be good leaders in our life is, is so desperately needed because that's not a topic often discussed, first of all, in church circles, yeah. like how to be a good leader. Yeah. But it has such a direct impact on our daily life because mm-hmm. all of us are around people and we want to help bring those people to a better place in life. Yeah. And like that's what a leader does. Yeah. And so... Uh, yeah, you, you have a lot of wisdom to offer, so I'm glad people are responding. Well, good. 
So we're going to do a little bit uh, more on that. And there's so many levels of, of leadership, particularly spiritual leadership. And, and for us, you know, as, as Christians and Catholics, believers, you know, how do we incorporate that, um, you know, in, into our life? But, you know, I want to start with this, is that, um, you know, saying you're a leader doesn't make you a leader. It doesn't? Having a title doesn't wow. make you a leader. Uh, leading makes you a leader. Kind of like painting makes you a painter. Playing yeah, baseball you know, makes you a baseball player. Right, like just because if you lived in a garage, it doesn't make you a car. <laughs> <laughs> you, you see what I'm saying? Or if you're drafted to the Pittsburgh Pirates, but you can't play at all. You may be a baseball player, but you're not a baseball player. Right. And But I do think we live in a culture, it, like in the church and in the business world, where people have titles. And so they're all of a sudden in the position of leadership, but it doesn't mean that they're a leader or a good leader, and it doesn't mean that they have taken on the role of leader. It just means they have a title. Mm-hmm. The real vacuum of real good leadership because what ends up happening for a lot of people like us who are down the ladder, you know, uh, is that uh, people have titles, and yet we look to them for leadership, and there's not much, or it's, you know, inadequate, or it's, you know, void of, uh, of, of real leadership tools, and, but we keep looking to people to lead us, right? right? So in the business world or in the church, and so what ends up happening is that a lot of people just don't lead because they're waiting for other people to lead. And here's the reality we talked about in the last show is that we're all called to lead in some way, shape, or form. We're not, you know, leaders learn how to follow just as much as they learn how to lead. And what makes you a leader is actually just leading, you know. So I do want to reference this one book uh, that that's really good that people can look up. It's called Leading When You're Not in Charge. And it's, it's a really good, easy-read book, but it gives a lot of good tools. It's called Leading When You're Not in Charge, and there's a podcast on it that you could probably search uh, as well. Um, but the reality, you know, basically says this is that, uh, you know, we're all called to lead. So whatever state you're in, whatever role you're in, like leading is not about your title or waiting for, you know, uh, a promotion so that, oh, I can lead now. It's really about wherever you are is, is just loving and leading people there. Mm -hmm. That's what makes, uh, that's what makes you a leader. And so everyone's leading in some way, uh, somehow in, in their, in their position. Right. Yeah. Almost for better or worse, because I, we're leading people more to who they are meant to be, who are they're called to be, or we're going to lead them away from that. Like there's really no neutral ground. Like we can't be in people's life and not have an effect on them. Right. Right. So if we're not intentional about it, if we're not thinking, how do I help such and such person become better? To me, the default is that we're not helping. Like Jesus says, if you're not with me, you're against me, right? If you're not right. gathering with me, you're scattering. If we're not intentionally gathering people to the Lord or leading people toward him, the default is not a neutral ground, but rather we're, ma- we're part of the problem. Yep. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? We're making it worse. Yep. And I want to talk about uh, a real key characteristic of leadership today, and one that Jesus had one that's super important, but one that you don't see a lot today or people know how to, how to live, live out, more importantly, because we live in a culture that so looks for titles. And even in the church, you know, like mm-hmm. people are, you know, you know, they have these titles and this hierarchy. And in the business world, it's the same thing. And, you know, we want the badge and the title and the sign. And, 
Um, that's what makes us an authority and leader and so tired of leaders saying, you know, well, I sign your checks and, or I'm going to fight like these threats of like power, um, is, is such bad leadership. Right. Um, and you know, to kind of tie into our first segment on the commercial and and women, you know, know this woman, but is really hearing this story and, and, and absorbing this woman inherited a company and uh, mostly a company that that's in a field of, you know, a lot of male, you know, leaders, you know, so mm-hmm. she's kind of coming into this company and not fully really knowing, you know, like if people would respect her or whatnot. And that didn't really matter. But when she got to the company, the first thing that they had was, a, you know, a parking spot for her and a sign with her name and, um, you know, right in front of the front door. And the first thing that she did was uh, sh- she had them remove the sign in the parking spot. And basically what she said is, I'm no different than anyone else in this company. Like we all have our roles and gifts. And if I arrive late or at a different time, I'm going to park where everybody else parks. And I'm going to walk where everybody else walks. Like just because I'm in, you know, sign the checks or I have the title of CEO or president doesn't make me any better than anyone else. And, and this is, this is, I think, a crucial form of leadership that people are afraid of because they're afraid if they have it, that it makes them a, a weak leader, and mm-hmm. this is not true. And it's this characteristic, humility. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Humility is one of the greatest signs of true, authentic leadership that actually bears more fruit down the road than what the person thinks. And people stay away from humility because they're afraid that people take advantage of them. They're afraid they'll lose power or lose control. But what humility does is it places you on the same playing field as everyone else, and it makes you concerned about people instead of power. Concerned about people instead of power. Right. So Jesus was super concerned about people. I don't know if you know that. Yeah. You read about it. Uh, His humility allowed him to see people and not the power that he had. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, He had power. I don't know if you know that, too. Yeah, I mean... Jesus had immense power to do... Yeah. A lot of a lot of things. I mean, thinking about that, at any moment when he was in argument with anyone, he could have just played the God card. Absolutely. Like, like sh- shot some lightning down Boom. and said, "All right, enough of you." Or he could but have he just didn't. just healed the person and said, "You know, I don't have time, but I'll do what, I'm do what I hear for." <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. I, I'll sign the check, but I got to move on. I have time for you. Mm-hmm. And humility places us at the same level as everyone else. And we, we live in such a society of structure and socioeconomic layers and, you know, you know, people don't hang out with each other. It, and like that, that, like some of the most healthiest organizations and companies are, uh, you know, the, the top person can hang out with the, the, the bottom person. And there's, there's, there's an equal, uh, everyone's seen as equal. And this is, this is what humility does. Humility drops you from who you think you are to who you really are. Yeah. And you live... You live uh, in that with with great purpose and, and great comfort, um, and humility builds in this characteristic of really wanting to serve and love the other person. Um, and you know, I learned this characteristic from a friend who who runs a business like for profit, you know, multi million dollar you know company and, and organization. And a lot of times in the church, we don't have those skills, and um, mm-hmm. you know, we'll fire someone and let them go and good luck, right? And so I was talking to him, and I said, um, you know, 
you know, he was talking about troubled employees and, you know, a lot of their employees, you know, like very little education, kind of, you know, like entry level jobs and, you know, troubled and they do background checks and, you know, like maybe they've been in jail. But anyway, he was talking about trouble with people that uh, employees. And I said, well, what do you do? You know, you know, he says, well, he says, uh, you know, before we fire anybody, like uh, we uh, we train them on their behavior to get better. And he goes, but if we do have to fire someone, uh, he goes, we actually have a process that we um, help them to find another job. And I was like, you don't have to do that. And he goes, no, we don't have to do that. He goes, but we want to serve them well. And we want them to live well. And I remember thinking to myself, like, th- like that servant, that that's humility to even help someone who's not even helping you, like who's doing a disgrace to your company. You actually want what's best for them. That's, that's humility, the ability to really serve that person and see that person's dignity and well-being and actually serve them well. This is humility. And Jesus had this type of humility. And we begin to look at our lives through the lenses of Jesus. A lot of times, if I could be honest, particularly in a lot of men, is we see Jesus as weak because of his humility or because of his surrender. And actually, it's in his humility and in the weakness that he relied on God that he became strong, right? He was able to accomplish uh, more than what any other man could ever do. Not only because he's God, but he took on the weight of the world and sin and the cross. So to me, there's nothing more masculine than that humility because there was a greater good in that humility. What was the greater good? That, that, you know, for God so loved the world that he would save the world through Jesus dying on the cross, right? So the humility brings about good in the long run. It's not weakness. That's the difference. Well, in that dynamic between title and humility and, and, and mission with, with our Lord, I mean, he has the title of titles. I mean, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, right? He also has the title of Messiah, which had been built up for ages. every title. He's got them all. Um, like, is there a greater title than king? No. I mean, king of kings. Like, right? if you could have, like, a title that owns everything, it's king. Mm-hmm. There's no greater title than king. It's greater than a president. Like, king. But what he did with this title, with this position, with this opportunity, is he literally emptied himself and took the form of a slave. The lowest title. Yeah. Exactly. He, he erased his parking spot. spot, his sign. Like he just became he, like everyone. Yeah, I mean, he took he took the sign and he moved it to the furthest away parking spot and said, "This is where I'm going to park. <laughs> Nobody take this spot." Yeah, <laughs> and because of that, because he did that, it says God exalted him and gave him the name above all names. And you see, if we're going to be Christian leaders, we don't want to do anything that the Father doesn't want us to do. We don't want to have any position or title or platform that the Lord himself does not give us. Right. And so what's his plan for our promotion from title to title or place to place is that as we give our life away, he exalts us. As we seek the lowest spot, he arranges things, events, uh, companies, the church. He arranges it to where we would be exalted at his pleasure, right? Not when we want to, or like our career schedule, right? But the Lord's, right? Yeah. So you know, if if someone's been given a title and a position, you've been given that title and position to serve and love other people mm-hmm. well, 
to make them better. And not because you're awesome or have the best ideas. No, like, like God's given you that position for a reason. If you have no title and no position, God's given you that to love and serve people well, mm-hmm. right, where you are. And that takes humility. Humility is saying, like, I'm less concerned about me, and I'm more concerned about other people, making them better. Leadership is that. Like, that is leadership. It's, it's the ability to look at someone's gifts and, 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 and serve them to make them better. You don't lose your position or your raise or anything. Like, what ends up happening is that, is that you become better by helping other people, Right. And, and you place yourself in a better position of leadership because you're leading. Like, and that's true leadership. It's not being boss or authority. It's actually walking with people. But it takes humility, which is the ability, humility, as we keep coming back, is the ability to step down from your throne mm-hmm. onto the same playing ground as everyone else. That's what Jesus did. Yeah. That's what he says. He stepped down as king off of his throne and became one of us. Yeah. Jesus became one of us. He walked with us. He 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 learned what it was like to to fully be uh, one of us, um, and that's humility, um, and that's what we do. Like we step down, uh, and we we become like everyone else, so we we can walk with people. This is the humility of leadership that is lacking. That is super super important. It reminds me of Saint Augustine, who would say that. Uh, for you, I'm a bishop, but with you, I'm a Christian. Mm-hmm. And so, and his priority was was in the latter, that with you, I'm a Christian. So that the title he was given, the position, the calling by God, was completely for others. For you, I'm a bishop. With you, he was the same as everybody else. And the saints who were given positions, some not all of them had all the best leadership skills, just right. because you're holy doesn't mean you have all these skills, right? But some of them have had the opportunity or the circumstances to develop these skills. And Augustine was one of these. He was well educated. And he, you know, he went to the before his conversion, he went to schools where there were lots of great leaders just from a secular standpoint or a, you know, just people with skills. And so when he became bishop and people were attracted to him and he he started a religious order, the Augustinians. You know, like he people wanted to live with him, be around him. Um but in his mind, he was a Christian first. He was with, on the same level as everybody else first. And any time the Lord exalted him, it was for other people. Absolutely. Not for him. Yeah. And I think we need to look to people like this in the church today and, you know, not to be controversial or saying, but, you know, and I love, I have so many good priests in my life. I'm so blessed. But a lot of times we look at the sacrament of orders as the greater sacrament over baptism. We treat it like that, hmm. with more dignity and reverence over baptism. But in reality, baptism is way more than ordination, hmm. right? The one we've all received has much more to it and is more important than the one that our leaders receive, hmm. right? Right. But we, we tend to flip it on its, on its head, and that those who are ordained are ordained for the baptized, like, like St. Augustine would say. And so I think for us, you know, part of it is that those who follow priests, and we should, we should follow the hierarchy, we should follow our bishops, like we should let them lead, that there's, there's an order to the church, but it doesn't imply that following them means, you know, like, I don't lead ever, or in, or in certain ways. That's not true at all. 
lay leadership is not just I want those positions and titles too. Lay leadership is not I'd like to be in charge of this in the church. That's not that at all. Essentially, it's being a great baptized Christian. Like that's a lay leader. Right. To nail that sacrament. Yeah. Right. And, well, in a lot of ways, I think, you know, we we can focus on the negativity of leadership, right? But I want to focus on the on the positive. Yeah. And, you know, humility is a great one, and all leaders need it. To be a good leader, you need humility, the ability to really be uh, with people um, and to, to, to negate your title and, and power and authority, your role, and, and be humble enough, you know, to love and serve other people, you know. And I think a quality there is that some, the best leaders, no matter whatever role you're in, is willing to admit their weakness, like that's a first step to humility is saying, you know what, I'm not perfect. I have shortcomings. What most people do is they try to hide those because they think that people won't love them or, or journey with them. And I've actually had people that I've worked with uh, say to me, uh, you know, like, like kind of like off to the side, like, and it kind of hit me. It's like, uh, you know, like. You know, what makes you a good leader is that uh, you're very, very aware of what you're not good at, you know, of your weakness. I'm like, I, n- I never even thought of that. Like that and that like we oftentimes think if we say our weaknesses or admit to them or even make them kind of part of our our organization or our company that we will lose our title or, or we'll lose our ability to lead. And the reality is, is that. What that does is that helps you to relate to everyone else who's in the room saying, I have weaknesses too. Mm-hmm. I'm imperfect as well. And to be able to relate to the leader and say, my leader has weaknesses and shortcomings as well, I can I can follow that guy mm-hmm. or that girl because I know that they're imperfect just like me. And so the humility of leadership is the ability to admit that we are imperfect, that we're not the perfect leader, that we're not always going to get it right, and that we actually have shortcomings and weaknesses. And people will rally behind you and with you when they know that you don't have a perception of being perfect and having it all together. And that's the beauty of it. All right, so when we come back, we can talk a little practical about this. It's Paul and Adam talking at Art of Living. Be right back. The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity HealthShare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the healthcare problem. Are you paying too much for your healthcare cost? Solidarity HealthShare is a healthcare sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund healthcare costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. Welcome back to the show, Paul and Adam in studio. Great to be with you today. Thanks for listening in on the radio waves or on the podcast. Adam, what's up, dude? What's up? Ready to go lead. I'm excited. (laughs) You got me all excited about leading. Really? Yes. Let's go lead the world. Yeah, and look, you know, so here's what's interesting, like, so say about you, like, in the church, is like, you're never going to be a pastor of a church. No. 
You're never going to have that title. Nope. It's just the way it's structured. But it doesn't mean that you can't lead in, in whatever role, whatever you're doing. So it's certainly not about the title. And, you know, if, if you're, you know, uh, you could be a, a stay-at-home spouse and you can lead your family and lead your kids and lead friends and you could be whatever position you're in. But the quality of, of spiritual leadership is, I think, the qualities that make really the best leaders uh, because there was no greater leader than Jesus himself. And we kind of model that in and learn how to live that out. I think it's important. Now, it's not easy. There's times that we think, I don't want to do this because following Jesus isn't easy. The qualities that he lived and has that in the long run get us to heaven and make us happy um, aren't always easy to adapt because a lot of times they go against our broken nature, our our jaggedness, you know, and we want to we want to turn away from that. We would rather at times have power and authority and, you know, more and make ourselves feel better and make other people feel worse. And, you know, like, like there's a, there's a, there's a side to us that wants to rebel against this. But when we begin to allow the Lord to shape us uh, and change us, that's where we find the most freedom in our life. And honestly, it's bad leadership is part of it is laziness. It's a lot more effort to care about people and be in their life over time than it is just to say, I'm in charge, just stop talking. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so we're going to do a six-pack of questions. Question. Question number one, Paul George. All right, some of us are not humble at all. Really? (laughs) In fact, some of us, if... If we're honest, if uh, people in our life would say, what's one quality about this person that really stands out? They might say, oh, they're pretty arrogant, or they're proud, mm-hmm. or or some of us are do have titles, and we've just not really gotten this correct at all. Like, we just you, we say things like, well, I'm the boss all the time. So yeah. my point is, some of us are in that situation. Yeah, absolutely. What What's a way to evaluate that? And be honest with ourselves when we really struggle with that, because if mm-hmm. that's the if that's the type of person we are, we're not really honest with ourselves. How do we learn to be honest? So it, I think my feeling is that the opposite of humility is insecurity, and I think everyone has the quality of humility, but it's hidden because of other things. And I think people who don't show the characteristic of humility are insecure. So what they do is they overcompensate. You know, they grab hold of their title, uh, their role, their prestige, uh, their money. Uh, they, they grab hold of their looks, um, you know, their height, their weight. Their, the, you know, it, it, we overcompensate with insecurity. And what it does is it comes across as they're not humble. But I think in, in the middle of all that, uh, underneath all that insecurity is an imperfect, broken person just like we all are. And... I think if someone's struggling with humility, it, they're really struggling with the ability to not love themselves and to be just secure in who they are and in their weaknesses. That's what makes someone humble, right? So if you're struggling with humility or you know, people not thinking that you're humble is to work on those areas of your life where you're just insecure, you're uncomfortable in your own skin, so therefore you're grabbing hold of power and other things to make yourself feel better. Wow. Yeah. I need to chew on that for a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Goodness gracious. Question number two. All right. So, Paul, what are some ways we can practice humility? Like maybe some 
phrases that we can start using, you know, when talking to people or, um, you know, we're in leadership situations or whatever. What are some just a couple of tips of things we could start doing to promote humility in ourselves or like kind of come across that way to others? I think a lot of times when we feel like, okay, like how do I adapt, you know, humility into my life? We can be overwhelmed. We're like, I, you know, I can't do this for everyone. Or I don't know how to do this. It's kind of <laughs> overwhelming, you know. Uh, and here, here's what I'd say is like shrink it down and do this. Uh, do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. Like pick one person? Like a lot of times what ends up happening is we say to ourselves, well, if I can't do it for all my kids, I'm not doing it for any of them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And if I can't do it for all my employees or all the people at my work, I'm not doing it for anyone. Yeah. Like imagine if I had to do that for everyone. So think about that. <laughs> so then therefore we don't do it at all mm-hmm. because we don't want to disappoint people. So what I'm saying is if you want to, to begin to make change and, and to, to implement new behaviors, shrink it down and just say, I'm going to, I'm going to think about one. I'm going to do for one what I wish I could do for everyone and in doing for one, what I'm going to end up doing is is eventually like learning how to love everyone. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, because you gotta have you gotta have the arena to learn the skills. Yeah. So what I'm saying is if if you want to to begin to to journey with people or love people or meet people where they are and show humility is just start with one person. You know, maybe it's at home, starting with your wife, it's it's, it's or your spouse, and just you know. Uh, implement those characteristics where they're like, whoa, I, you know, this person's never been this way or with one of your kids or with one person at work. And the way you do that, uh, you know, pick one is, is just start the conversation of begin to ask people how they are, like go up to someone at work uh, or your spouse and really care about them with nothing in return. So there's nothing worse than feeling like someone's talking to you because they want to get something out of it. Yeah. Right. They're going to sell you something. Uh, they want to see. They have intentions that aren't out there. Uh, yeah. I don't mind people doing that if they're just upfront about it. Mm-hmm. But true humility is being able to care about someone without anything in return. Okay. So pick a person and just begin to ask them how they're doing. How are you? I love that. How? What's going on in your life? Like, is there any way I can help you? Um. And just start those conversations. Um, and that just shows humility. It, it helps you practice humility. It helps you kind of realize, like, I don't want anything in return from this person. I just want to meet them where they are and love them and step off of my little throne and my insecurity and, and journey with them. Man, this is good stuff. Question number three. So let's say we have a position at work in the church and our family, whatever. Um, we are somebody's boss or somebody's, you know, hierarchical leader on paper and maybe we haven't really done a great job at being humble to that person we've said some things that are hurtful um so we want to address it but we just it just feels weird because it's not natural to us so what what advice would you give to like to start to reconcile or start to kind of heal that relationship that maybe we've wounded because we've been so proud yeah you know one of the honestly you know one of the most powerful things that I've had to learn, these things aren't come natural. You have to practice them so you learn them. In my role as a dad is to say, I'm sorry. It's not something I ever thought that I would have to say, right? Not that because I'm perfect, but because why would me, who's above, you know, have to say I'm sorry? Mm -hmm. Well, I have to say I'm sorry because I mess up a lot. 
And what I learned is that reconciliation, humility, and saying I'm sorry is really powerful because it, it hits the reset button, you know? And I think it's completely okay, right, to in, in your marriage uh, and in work, uh, if you've stepped on people, if you've abused your role, if you've not helped and served people, to go up to them and have a conversation and say, you know what, hey, I just wanted to let you know that I'm really sorry. You know, what I said the other day, you know, was completely out of line, you know, if it hurt your feelings. Or I know I haven't been an advocate for you, and I'm sorry. Um, I know I've been super hard, uh, and I'm sorry. Like, to be able just to admit your weakness and to say I'm sorry, uh, a lot of times we think, well, that's going to show a huge sign of weakness. Somebody's not going to want to follow me. What you're doing is you're you're building a culture and teaching other people how to say they're sorry. And for you and your relationships to have reconciliation and hit the reset button. Oh, we can, we can, we can do this together, you mm-hmm. know, like, and, and that's huge. It's important. Love it. Question number four. I want to ask you about false humility. Yeah. I knew you were going to go there. Mm-hmm. I kind of had a feeling, Adam. Cause it's so easy. For example, let's say we're at work and someone is in charge of us or we're a kid in a family or whatever. Like we're being led by someone who has a title position over us or whatever. And the thing they're asking us to do or the situation is just not the best and we have problems with it. But, you know, like how do we, how do we still lead ourselves in a humble way without complaining or like being rebellious or whatever? Where's that line of, Hey, I'm being true to myself and I'm just being honest and I'm, you know, but, or I'm just being prideful and I'm just fighting against the situation. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, we talked, you know, leaders lead by leading, by doing, you know, one of the aspects of humility is when someone asks you to do something, you do it, Mm -hmm. but that's how you learn how to, how to lead. Right. Mm -hmm. And you may be like, well, I'm uncomfortable with that. Like I've never done that. Right. Well, a good leader would say, I think you can, and I wouldn't ask you to do it if I didn't think you could do it. And if you have any questions, ask me so I can help you along. But humility is saying, okay, I'll do it because you're asking. Humility is not like, you know, overcompensating on the other end is being like, I'm not worthy. Mm-hmm. I can't do this. You know, I, well, I'm going to fail. Well, you may, you know. But uh, true humility is just is, is being okay with who you are. And loving other people, the the opposite of the, like the false humility is like an overcompensation on the other end of like unworthiness. And Jesus does not want us to sit in unworthiness. You know, He didn't die on the cross so that we can live our life unworthy, right? He died on the cross so we can know our true self and have freedom, right? And to step in any moment uh, to bring His glory to the people around us. Yeah. We're worthy of God's love. Absolutely. That's, that's the most important Because he makes us worthy, not because anything right. we do or earn, but because Jesus fought the fight for us. And therefore, you know, like, to, false humility basically says, Jesus, you didn't do enough. Yeah, you messed up with me. Yeah, you messed up with me, bro. <laughs> like, you got to do it all over again. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Wow. All right, question number five. So part of the humble journey is that there are going to be times probably memorable times where our weaknesses, you mentioned knowing our weaknesses, are going to be very apparent to us because we really messed up, right? Um, but some, there's something in us that wants to defend ourselves, especially if someone's accusing us of something else. So how do we handle a situation, especially being accused of something or like we really messed up and someone's upset with us? How do we handle the situation of gracefully working through 
the problems that I caused because I messed up, but in such a way that is still in leadership. It's not like you're right, like I need to step down or need whatever. Like how do we come how do we come back from a huge mistake in the sight of everyone, you know? Yeah. No, that's a good one. I think um well one is just to admit the, the mistake and to apologize and to reconcile, you know. Um and I think that's really hard for people because we don't know how to do it and it's super uncomfortable and it and it's tense. And we talked in the last show about dealing with some conflict. And in part, like leaders just step into to those moments, even when, when it's really difficult, you know? And I think giving people the freedom to express how they feel, mm-hmm. okay? Uh, and so you hurt someone. It's not just, hey, I'm sorry, uh, I'll see you tomorrow. Uh, it's, hey, I'm sorry, how did that make you feel? So I want to understand what I did so that I can, I can grow from this. That's real humility, and that's real reconciliation for that person to say, man, that he really or she really heard me, right? You find this out in marriage, right? Um, when there's tension, it's like, you're not hearing what I'm trying to say. But when the other person can really hear and, and uh, own and, and accept the feelings, there's true reconciliation that happens. Love it. All right, question number six. We talked about the Gillette commercial. Mm-hmm manliness so what would you say to a man to encourage him let's say a young man or i guess could be older, but especially a younger man like he's not married yet he's not hey i want you to be a good male leader throughout your life like what are those qualities that make a good male leader well i i think we don't learn leadership by osmosis uh, but we learn it by being around good people mm-hmm. and so if if i'm a young adult right now, what I'm saying to myself is I want to surround myself with really good men so I can learn what it's like to be a really good man. Like that's like, you learn those, those characteristics by rubbing elbows with the right people. And I say it often all the time that, you know, the, the people you surround yourself with is, is, is the people who are going to make you who you are in a lot of ways. And so um, it's okay to say, you know what, I don't fully know what it's like to be, you know, have these characteristics or to be, a, you know, the man that I want to be. Well, you got to really be intentional about surrounding yourselves with the right people that you can learn from. And connecting the dots, I guess there's a big difference between saying, all right, that guy's in charge. I want to be like him. So I'm going to hang out with people who are in charge so I can learn how to be like that versus regardless of what your position is, that guy's a leader and I want to be like him. Right, so I want to hang out with people like him. Those are two different. Yeah, I want to identify characteristics in a person that I want to learn, Mm -hmm. and I want to be around that person. That person has courage and humility and love and sacrifice and balance and and foresight and you know contemplation and all the like. I and I want to learn by just by being around it. You know, like so that that's. I think an important thing of leadership is that leaders make other leaders and we learn leadership through other leaders and we learn bad leadership from bad leaders and we learn good leadership from good leaders. We learn how to be holy by being around holy people. We learn to be like Jesus by being around people who are following Jesus. And so that's the important thing for us. So anyway, man, great show. Uh, We'll wrap it up. You can get the show on a podcast and share it. Uh, Thanks for tuning in. Adam, great job. And uh, you can find us on discovertheartofliving.com and all the things that we're doing. 
All right. Talk to you later. God bless.